sound okay? You sound great. Do I or do I sound like I've just been through traumatic experience? No, you sound perfect. <sighs> I mean, I know, but it's nice to hear it every now and then. Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Bree. And I'm Nikki. And we are going... You. What? You. What? Not we. You. <laughs> I thought thought we were riding this train together. <laughs> no? I stayed at the bus stop today. <laughs> You're clearly deterred off of this path because... First we're a we, then I'm an I, we're on a train, now you're on a bus. <laughs> That's how I roll. <laughs> Literally. So, Jasper, Texas. Jasper. Oh no. <laughs> this is the case of James Bird Jr. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jasper, Texas, is very, very, very East Texas. It is East Texas. <laughs> yeah. Like how? F- I don't even know how far away it is from Louisiana, but not very far. Um, its population is about seventy-five hundred, so it's a fairly small area. Jamesburg Jr. was born May second, nineteen forty-nine, in Jasper County. His parents were Stella May and James Bird Sr. So James was the third of nine children. Ooh, nine. It sounds like a lot, but the more and more people I talk to, that's not an uncommon occurrence back in the day. Well, back in the day, no, but that's not, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not doing it. (laughs) I have one, I'm good. I have five. I, I stay on the struggle bus. Yeah, but you need to have one more and make the Brady Bunch. Well, you're just, just a comedian, aren't you? So, his uh, mother, Stella May, was a Sunday school teacher, and his father was a deacon at, at the Greater New Bethel Baptist Church. So, obviously, they all grew up in the church. In 1967, James graduated from Jasper Row High School. And it was actually the last segregated class to graduate. So, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 1954 that segregation in public schools violated the 14th Amendment, which basically grants citizenship to everyone. However, uh, significant integration in the Texas public schools didn't actually take place until 1967. See, I didn't know that. I didn't either. I had to look it up. Because I knew that segregation had occurred prior to 67 but i didn't understand why this would have been the last segregated class yeah and that's why because it didn't actually it wasn't required in texas until 67 so in 1970 james got married and then proceeded to have three children renee bird ross bird and jamie bird james was a vacuum salesman do you remember these like door-to-door salesmen that would Mm -hmm. like say you know let me clean your floor and you can buy my vacuum let me come in and show you how awesome this vacuum is right um, that's what he did okay 
Shortly into his adult life, he began struggling with alcoholism and eventually spent a couple years in prison for petty theft. He and his wife actually divorced in 1993. And then in 96, James was like, I- I've got to I've got to turn over my life. I've got to get better. And he entered himself into Alcoholics Anonymous. Good for him. And started going to AA meetings regularly. So his friends and family would describe him as a good father, an awesome friend, very musically talented, well-liked in the community, uh, an amazing grandfather. So he was a good guy. On June 6th, 1998, James, now 49 years old, had been at a party at his parents' place. Around 2 a.m. on June 7th, James started to walk home. This was a common occurrence. He didn't own a car. He was always seen walking around town getting to where he needed to be. So around 2 a.m. on June 7th, he left his parents' place to walk home, which was not too terribly far. Obviously, within walking distance, right? James never made it home. So that morning, when the sun came up, Sheriff Billy Rolls is called to the scene of a crime. Billy was told that there was a body out on Huff Creek Road. So Huff Creek Road is even more East Texas, kind of going out of town. So it's Highway 63 to FM 1408. And then you go down to 278, which is Huff Creek Road. Just for anybody that wants to look at a map. But that is important. Not I. Yeah. So the sheriff was told that there was also tire tracks all down the pavement. Billy thought the whole thing was going to be easy peasy. He was just going to follow the tire tracks all the way to the guy's house and figure out what happened. Tire tracks? Like... Tire tracks. On the pavement. Mm Mm-hmm. What are they tracks of? I mean, is it like mud tracks? Or... Well, he was just told that there were tire tracks all down down the pavement. So, I mean, they could be, you know, skid tracks or mud or whatever. He didn't know. He doesn't know he hasn't gotten there yet. Okay. This is what he was told when he was called. Gotcha. So, when Billy got to the scene, that's exactly what he started doing. Trying to track the tire tracks. So, he stopped where the road was blocked off where the tire tracks began. And started walking to follow them. So, as he starts walking on the road, he he notices a pair of dentures in the road dentures? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, obviously, you know, he's he's making note of it, you know, trying to make sure everything gets marked and stuff like that. Walks a little further down the road. He sees a set of keys with some loose change around it in the road. Okay. Billy said he followed the tracks, and they started, the tracks started to look kind of funny to him. Then he gets, like, kind of goes, bends down to look at the tracks to see what the heck was on the truck to leave tracks like that. Mm -hmm. And he notices that it's not tire tracks at all. It's actually a trail of dried blood. Oh my god. So, Sheriff followed the trail for almost three miles. Oh my god. Where he was met in front of a church with the body of an African American male missing his head, neck, and right arm. Oh my god. The remains of pants and underwear were gathered around the victim's ankles. And Billy was a seasoned serviceman. He had served 27 years as a Texas State Trooper in previous years. So he 
was familiar with the protocol and what to do. And he said he had never seen anything like the sight of the body that had just been dumped out there. I can't imagine. So about a mile and a half up the road, investigators discovered a head, neck, and arm by a culvert in a driveway. So a trail of blood and drag marks led from the victim's torso to the detached upper portion of the victim's body and continued another mile and a half down Huff Creek Road. Along the route, a wallet was found containing identification for a Jasper resident. Investigators found dentures, keys, a shirt, an undershirt, and a watch. At the end of the route, the trail concluded in an area of, like, smushed down grass, Mm -hmm. which they thought could possibly be the scene of, like, a fight. Investigators also discovered a cigarette lighter engraved with the words possum and KKK. Oh, God. They also found a nut driver wrench with the name Barry on it and three cigarette butts. They also found a can of Fix-A-Flat, a compact disc, a woman's watch, a can of black spray paint, a pack of Marlboro Light cigarettes, beer bottles, a button from a shirt, and a baseball cap. That's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, even though a wallet was found at the scene, the body was so mutilated that identification had to be determined through fingerprints. So, it was determined that the victim was James Bird Jr. Evidence showed that James had been severely beaten, sprayed in the face with black spray paint, and bound by his ankles with a logging chain. So, based on the evidence and the trail of blood... Investigators believe that James was drugged behind a vehicle. Awful. They also believe that he was conscious for the majority of the dragging. Oh. Because evidence showed he tried to hold his head above the pavement. His elbows, heels, and backside had been skinned down to the bone. Oh my god. His knees and genitals had been ground completely away. It appears that when his body hit that culvert, it severed his head and right arm. So, the heinousness of this crime haunted Sheriff Billy. He said that he would stay up at night because he had dreams about James screaming. Or he would hear sounds of, like, his body hitting the pavement. Like, it haunted him. I believe it. Man, that's gotta... Mm. Naturally, he was determined to find out who did this and make sure they paid for it. Absolutely. So, as soon as Billy left the crime scene, he actually drove to the Bird's home to tell his parents and his family. Personally drove to their home. Well, yeah. Oh. So, they all prayed together, and then, including the sheriff, and before Billy left, he vowed to the Bird family that he would catch the men that did this. So that evening, a witness actually came forward to the police station and said that he saw it was a kid and said that he saw James riding in the back of a light gray pickup truck the night before. Less than 24 hours after the murder, murder, Billy puts the puzzles together. He sends his deputies out to pick up the manager of a movie theater. It was a clean-cut little dude by the name of Sean Barry. So Sean was brought in for questioning questioning along with his buddies Bill King and Russell Brewer. They pick up Sean because this is a small town. Mm -hmm. Obviously everybody knows everybody, right? Right. They know that Sean drives a great pickup truck. They know that on 
one of the tools that was found, the name Barry is engraved in it. Oh, well, yeah. And Bill King and Russell Brewer are his roommates. They, all three of them kind of run around together. So that's why he went and picked them up. Find out if they knew anything. So they bring him in for questioning. Sean Barry, you know, he's all scared when he's being questioned. And he, they talked to him for several hours where he didn't say anything. At one point, so Sean's being questioned by Sheriff Billy and the district attorney, Guy James Gray. So at one point, they say it was around three in the morning. Guy explains to Sean that what happened is a big deal. And they're going to have to call the FBI to come down to start handling the case. And they told Sean, one of you boys is going to get a deal. It's just a matter of which one of them it's going to be. And they're doing that to get somebody to tell what happened. Right. Sean says, you know, I've got to go potty. So he goes to the potty. And he comes back and he's like, okay, I'm ready to talk now. So he decides he wants to talk. Just for reference, I'm going to list this episode as explicit. Okay. I'm going to try to rephrase what they say Mm -hmm. just because it's gross words and I don't use these words. But it's also important to understand the language that they used to understand the kind of people they were. Right, right. Okay. Sean said that the three dudes are hanging out drinking beer. Okay? So, I'm going to give you a little backstory on these three dudes. Sean Barry, born in 1975. So, he was about 23 when this happened. He's a known racist and had previously been sentenced to 10 years for burglary in 1992. So, his friend, John Bill King, born in 74, was also around 23. Uh, He's also a known racist and had prior convictions in Orange County for burglary in 97. So he ain't even been out this long because this happened in 98. So Lawrence Russell Brewer, born in 67, so he is actually 31 at the time. He had a little bit more of a record. He did a seven-year sentence from Delta County for two counts of burglary of a habitation. And he was released in 88 on parole for that. In 89, he returned from parole with a new conviction of 15 years, concurrent for one count possession of a controlled substance, cocaine. He was released in 91. Then in 94, he returned for a parole violation. Then he was released in 97 on mandatory supervision. And then this happened in 98. These are just upstanding citizens, aren't they? The best you can get. (laughs) Like I said, uh, the three dudes... We're drinking riding around when they saw James walking home on the side of the road. They stopped and asked him if he would like a ride home. James was like, sure. He hopped in the back of the truck and the three boys rode in the cab of the truck. Sean said that he drove, he was driving because it's his truck. Sean said that he drove into the woods. Then Bill and Russell proceeded to beat James until he stopped moving. Then Sean, Sean says he's, he's in the truck while this is happening. Okay. Course. So then he says that Bill comes and pushes, you know, slides him over into the middle of the truck and he gets in the driver's seat. He says they just tear down Huff Creek Road. They just, you know, barrel off. And said that he turns back to look and he didn't realize James was being drugged behind the truck until it was too late. Obviously, investigators know that this story is not the whole truth, but it's enough to go off of for now. So Sheriff Billy knew that these three boys were known white supremacy. And Billy believed that the whole thing was the result of a hate crime. So what does he do? He calls the FBI. So word gets out about what happened in this small East Texas town. Yeah. (laughs) 
and the press has field day. There was all kinds of talk. I mean, every news report was talking about how Jasper is a racist town run by only white people and it's just a terrible era. So, people from outside the town were actually calling and threatening both the sheriff, Billy Rolls, who is a white man, and the mayor, R.C. Horn, who is an African, African-American man, who was also the first black mayor in Jasper and served from 98 to 2004. Why are they threatening them? They're threatening both of them. You have people calling, threatening the sheriff, saying, you know, y'all better not do anything to those white boys, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then they're calling the mayor, saying, something's going to happen to y'all if y'all do something to them boys. And, you know, I mean, there's, let's find there's racist people in right, the world. Right, right. Yeah, and, I mean, I guess I'm acting shocked, but that doesn't shock me because they're bad people. So. Right, yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're getting they're getting threats. They're getting... It's just terrible all, all the way around. James Bird Jr. was laid to rest at Jasper City Cemetery near an old iron fence that separated the black side and the white side. Still? This fence was there for 150 years. So, because the three white men that were accused of murdering James were known white supremacists and members of the KKK, James's funeral was an overflow with over 200 mourners inside the church. Some in attendance included Jesse Jackson, who is an American civil rights activist and a Baptist minister, Al Sharpton, another mm-hmm. American civil rights acti- activist and Baptist minister, and the president of the NAACP. I can't say his name. Like you can't pronounce it? Yeah. I'm going to try because it gives me. It's Kwasi Umfume. Okay. Who was also the U.S. representative from Maryland from 87 to 96 and again since May of 2020. There were 600 others in attendance outside the church. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Uh, James's funeral expenses were covered by Dennis Rodman. Oh. Which, for nice. people who may not know, he's a very famous professional basketball player. Or was. He, I don't was. think he plays anymore. I was going to say was, yeah. Also in attendance was the political organization, the Black Panthers. Which is, if you don't know, basically an organization that fights for black rights. Right. It was said that the Panthers were there just to show support for the family to march in protest to what happened to a man just because he was black. So people from all over came to Jasper to show support and tell the world what happened in this tiny town. And now it's time for for justice, right? Right. So the three accused boys, Sean Berry, Bill King, and Russell Brewer, will now stand trial for capital murder. Yes. All right. Obviously, by this time the world knows that a black man was drugged behind a truck to death, literally. Right. Possibly by three white supremacists, basically. News also has gotten around the world that the funeral held some of the most well-known activists as well as the Panthers. So, this also got the attention of the KKK. Oh, God. So, guess who decides that they have to go to town to march as well? The Ku Klux Klan. Or Ku Klux, whatever. I was trying to get more information on the KKK when I was researching this. Just so that I could say they were once known as this, but now they're known as this. I didn't find that. All I could find was they were a white supremacy hate group that targeted African Americans, Jews, immigrants, leftists, homosexuals, Muslims, and Catholics. 
I didn't find it. Well, did you expect to? Well, I mean, it's for so for example, like the Black Panthers. You can read where at one point certain aspects of the name got out of hand. Where, you know, where people were doing bad things and claiming to be part of the Black Panthers. Right. So they got a bad name. But today, they're still an active group. And they it's a group of activists that fight for basic rights. Basic human right. rights. Right. I don't find anything like that for KKK. Just bad stuff. That was they're really- just bad. They're just yeah. bad people. Mm-hmm. So... Just to put everybody's mind at ease. Yes, the Black Panthers and the KKK both marched throughout this whole process. But the Jasper Police Department and everyone was able to keep everything peaceful. There were a lot of words exchanged, but nothing ever got out of hand during the whole thing. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I'm not going to leave you on an edge wondering what happened between the two groups because nothing did. Okay, so the trials began, right? All three boys were tried separately. The following year in 1999. So the first to stand trial was Bill King. The jury was 11 white people and one African American person. Okay. The the evidence against Bill was a lighter engraved with KKK and Bill's known prison name, Possum, on it. Cigarette butts at the scene. Well, hold on. What? So, Sean tells them this story. Right. And says, this is what happened. I didn't even know until it was too late Mm -hmm. what was going on. Did Bill and Russell have a story? Did they say, Mm -hmm. they they just didn't say, they just said not guilty, wasn't even there? No, they didn't say not guilty. Okay. They did not contest it. They did not, no contest, okay. Nope. So, so, okay, so they had the lighter. They had cigarette butts that had Bill's DNA on it. Bill's clothes had James's blood on them. There were letters that Bill wrote while he was in prison about organizing a racist gang. Bill has a tattoo of a black man hanging from a tree. He has another tattoo of cartoon characters in KKK garb. And he has another tattoo of Nazi-type SS lightning bolts. Just, you know, I guess a God-fearing man. I don't really know. So, Billy, Billy, whatever, Bill, Billy. Nobody ever calls him Billy. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) <laughs> he just seems like a Billy, you know? <laughs> like good old Billy. Billy. <laughs> Billy Bob. Anyway, Billy apparently... I said it again! Bill apparently talked with a few in a fellow inmate a few years prior where he said he wanted to, quote, take out a black, end quote, to prove himself to the white supremacist. Mm-hmm. Bill also started the racist group Texas Rebel Soldiers and was looking for an opportunity to make a name for himself. So Billy's lawyer... I did it again. Bill's lawyer, Hayden Cribs, called three witnesses who testified for less than an hour and Bill never testified. Never said anything. After 212 hours, the jury convicted Bill King of murder. Good. Following two days of testimony from psychologists law enforcement officials, and the jury decided that the world would be better off with Bill King not in it. So, seven men and five women decided in three hours that Bill should die by lethal injection for the 1998 murder of James Byrd Jr. There you go. Now, the next trial would be Russell Brewer. The state district judge, Monty Lawless 
decided to move this trial to Brazos County to ensure an that. unbiased jury. Yeah, I had no clue. No clue. Change of venue, okay. Right. So Russell actually testified and accounted for his association with a white supremacist prison gang known as the Confederate Knights of America, which is known as a branch of the KKK. Russell also stated that Sean killed James, said he slashed his throat before they even drug him. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. It's okay. Forensic evidence had already disputed that since the prosecution was already able to prove that James was trying to hold his head up while he was being drugged. Oh, yep. (laughs) Medical witnesses said that there was no evidence of James's throat being cut. So, surprise, surprise, Russell's a liar. (laughs) Liar. So, traces of James's blood was found on Russell's shoes. And the jury for Russell consisted of five women and seven men, none of whom were African American, and one was Latino. On September 20th, 1999, Russell was found guilty of capital murder. Good. On September 23rd, 1999, Russell was sentenced to death. We're getting somewhere. Right. So the final trial would be Sean Barry. Evidence would show a tool set in Sean's truck matching the wrench found at the scene. Blood spatter under Sean's truck that matched James's blood. Rust stained in the pattern of a chain in the back of his truck. Which they ended up finding the chain in a hole in the backyard of one of Sean's friends. Tire tracks at the scene matched the tires on Sean's truck pretty good case right yeah so in november of 1999 sean was convicted of capital murder but because of his cooperation with authorities and his denial of direct involvement because sean says that he was just a terrified bystander having to drive a truck okay he was sentenced to life in prison so he's still alive i'm not done somebody hasn't killed him yet i ain't done go ahead in april of 2002 russell's convictions and sentences were affirmed by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals on direct appeal. Russell did not appeal the state's court decisions to the U.S. Supreme Court. Instead, he filed an application for habeas corpus relief, which was denied by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals on September 11, 2002. In September of 2003, Russell filed a, position, a petition for right of habeas corpus in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas, Tyler Division federal court denied this petition on september 1st 2005 in september in september of 2006 the u.s court of appeals for the fifth circuit rejected russell's appeal and affirmed the denial of habeas corpus relief by the district court russell filed a petition for right of something in the u.s supreme court on april 2007 but the supreme court denied that too Mm -hmm. so lawrence russell brewer born march 13th 1967 Received in TDCJ on September 23rd, 1999, at age 32. His highest level of education was grade 11. Was executed on September 21st, 2011, at 6.21 p.m. at the Huntsville Unit in Huntsville, Texas. His last meal was chicken fried steak and bluebell ice cream, but declined them saying he wasn't hungry. Mm. His last statement was, no, no last statement. One of James's sisters attended the execution. Now... On December of 2018, Bill's execution was scheduled. However, Bill had appealed his conviction to both the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals and the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles. The Texas Court of Criminal Appeals narrowly rejected this appeal in a 5-4 to ruling 
on April 22, 2019. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled against stopping the execution about 30 minutes after it was scheduled to begin on April 24, 2019. So, once that was ruled, Bill was immediately taken from his holding cell, placed on a gurney, and taken to the death chamber. He spoke no words, but provided a written statement beforehand that said something about capital punishment, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. He's a murderer. Right. So, John William King, or Bill, was born November 3rd, 1974, received in TDCJ, on February 25th, 1999, at age 24. His highest education was grade 10, and he was executed on Wednesday, April 24th, 2019, at 6.56 p.m. at the Huntsville Unit in Huntsville, Texas. Two of James's sisters attended the execution. So, the last one. Sean Allen Berry is now 45, and he's currently housed at the Ramsey Unit in Rosharan, Texas, as of 2020, Sean lives in protective custody at the Ramsey unit. He spends 23 hours a day in an 8 by 6 foot cell and is allowed out for one hour for exercise. Sean ended up marrying his longtime girlfriend while he was incarcerated and they have one child together. Oh no. Sean is eligible for parole in June of 2038. He'll be 63 years old. I have questions. What are your questions? I'm not done, but what are your questions? So he married this girl while he was in jail. Yeah, well, a- they got married by proxy. Okay. And they had a baby while he was in jail? I think they had the child before he got incarcerated. Okay, because... Yeah, I think they had the child before they got incarcerated. Because okay. it doesn't say that she had the child afterwards. It just says... That they have a child together. So I assume they already had it. And they decided to get married by proxy. After he got incarcerated. He should not be allowed to touch. Any human. Well I don't think he can. That's what I'm saying. He's he's in protective custody. So he's locked up 23 hours a day. Okay. James's family created. The James Bird Foundation for Racial Healing. Which conducts diversity workshops. Offers scholarships to people of color and runs an oral history project with more than 2,600 personal stories about racism. On January 20th, 1999, the townspeople of Jasper held a celebration and removed the iron fence from the cemetery, which once separated the graves of blacks and whites. Aww, that's good. The cemetery is where James and his mother are both buried, as well as Bill King. Well, I mean, I guess in a small town you can't really... Mm Mm-hmm. But now there's no fence to separate it. Right. So the right. fact that they removed it, was a, that was a big deal. Yeah. So on May 11th, 2001, Texas Governor Rick Perry signed the James Byrd Hate Crimes Act into law, strengthening penalties for crime, crimes motivated by a victim's race, religion, color, sex, disability, sexual preference, age, or national origin. That's okay. All right. That's good. Something good. Mm -hmm. In 2003, a movie was made about the murder called Jasper, Texas, that starred John Voight and Louis Gossett Jr. I recently watched it. It is available on Amazon Prime. I don't know if I can watch it. I think that the way they did this movie was really well. It's not... It is very gruesome, and I, I cried a lot, but... 
I think they put it together really well. So, and it's important for people to understand what happened. No, no, I, I agree. Yeah. But it's just so sad. Right. Something so stupid. I know. So, the Bird family also worked with Matthew Shepard's family to pass the Matthew Shepard. Oh, yes. I remember Matthew Shepard. To pass the Matthew Shepard and James Bird Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act which was signed into law on October 28, 2009, by President Barack Obama. So, for people who don't know, Matthew Shepard was a gay American student at the University of Wyoming who was beaten, tortured, and left to die in 1998. He was taken by rescuers to a hospital where he actually died later from his injuries. But I think that it's awesome that the two families were able to come together to... They had a common goal yeah. and a comp uh, uh, yeah so that's awesome the uh and just a side note james's kids were actually against the death penalty for those guys oh because they said that they believed that uh they were getting off easy they I said can see that. they said that they didn't give their father the satisfaction of dying before they drug him behind the truck and they didn't think they they deserved it either. They deserved that freedom. Right. I wish there was a way that whatever crime you commit the exact same thing could be done to you. I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> an eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, like I said, this was a this was a tough one to research. Well, yeah. That's... Oh. Because, I mean, in 98, let's see, I would have been, because I remember the adults talking about it, you know? Let me see. Yeah. I was 11, 12. Yeah. And you were a little bit older than that. A little older. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was a scary thing because, I mean, it was like people are doing this to somebody just because of the way they look. Yeah. And it was terrifying. I remember thinking about it when I was a kid. And now looking back, finding, researching more information about stuff that I had no clue that even happened is just crazy to me. Yeah. And the one was just executed last year. I just can't believe that that one guy is still in jail, Mm -hmm. has a possibility of parole. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. They have to approve that for him to get out. And I'm not going to lie, if if something, I'm not going to lie... It wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. if if he does get parole, if somebody don't... Kill him? Yep. 100%, yeah. But I think that's why he's in protective custody, because they feel the same way. They think even him being in prison, somebody's going to kill him. Somebody's going to... Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. They did say that on the wall in Bill King's cell, he wrote, Sean Barry's a snitch, or something mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean... And they, I mean, that owned up to it. Like, they wrote letters to people while they were in prison waiting for death row Mm -hmm. and told people that you know they did it and that they'll forever be remembered in history and blah blah blah. oh oh yeah they knew exactly what they were doing it wasn't but that's why like they they said that like they had psychologists testify that there's these people are of complete sound mind and body they knew exactly what they were doing it was intentional and they're proud of it and the world would be better without them in it. And I agree with well, that statement. Well, I will say, I will say the good thing is, not that there's anything good about any of this, but mm-hmm. I know the name, 
James Bird Jr. Mm-hmm. I do too. I until you just said them, I did not know who killed who did that. Me to me. either. So their names are not remembered like they wanted. Right. Like I I knew the name James James Bird Jr. I knew to research it. I knew that I wanted to do a case about it. See, I knew the basics of that story. Like mm-hmm. I knew like this happened. These three people did it, right. and that I, I mean I, I knew, knew that. that I knew that three white guys did it, but I, I didn't, didn't know their name. Know. I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know details uh-huh. or anything. Yeah. Oh God, I can't imagine that is so. Cool. Yeah, but I but I but I I knew the name James Bird Jr. As should everybody. Everybody should know that name, right? So that he does have a really nice plot. At the cemetery over there. Oh, good. Him and his mama both. Good. So it's real nice and set up and everything. And there's pictures of the family meeting with Bill Clinton and right. Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure. I'm sure they've met all kinds of people. Well, I mean, it's important that people all the way up as far as presidents are recognizing what happened yeah exactly even this many years later i mean barack obama i mean he wasn't even involved in politics in 98 Mm -hmm. so or not that i heard anyway so yeah i mean it was a, a very very tough case to research but important and obviously if any of my information was incorrect feel free to let us know I have no problem correcting anything that I said. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I'm not. I am not going to be able to sleep tonight. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. And <laughs> all right, that was good. That was interesting. So sad. Mm-hmm. I know, right. and I we we know people from Jasper. Yeah, we do. So it's crazy to think that they had to live through all that too and over the there. Town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they said that the townspeople got really upset for a long time because they, whenever something like that happens, out on the road and on the highway, a, it it paints a picture of it uh, of the town as a whole. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were yeah they were upset about that, but they um like as far as evidence goes, you know, they have to mark the road. Um. And apparently they left the markings out there way too long. And I mean, there were like circles where it was like circle and it said wallet, circle (laughs) dentures, and then circle head, circle arm. And it's a small town. Like people probably pass. Well, they, they, they dumped his body right in front of the church. So everybody that was having to go to church had to see all that for see weeks that and right and where's the first place you want to go when something like that's happening you want to go to church so yeah but somebody eventually went to the mayor and then the mayor went to the sheriff and was like get the markings that. off the road so but from what i could, the best i could understand the fbi never actually took over the case well i don't think they needed to well i think when there's a hate crime they're supposed to anyway oh just well, so maybe. that there's no biased right i don't know I don't know how that works. I could be wrong about everything I just said. <laughs> so, have you been uh, stalked lately? Or no? No, not lately, thankfully. 
No, that's good. I saw the markings on the road in front of your house. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know. Maybe you can think about being stalked and not this story. Oh, well, that, because that's better. <laughs> I mean, lesser of two evils, I guess. Yeah. So, maybe, maybe next week we'll have a little bit of a lighter story. Yeah. Maybe not, we... maybe not as heavy. We'll see what we can do. I can't guarantee anything. I mean, true crime is true crime. True crime, that's true. <laughs> true crime is true. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. On to the next. <laughs>